I want to say something that I remember you teaching me and I want you to comment on it. And okay. you might not remember this, but it, it helped me. It changed my life. And you did. You don't know this, but you saved my life. As Ooh. you know, I, I was, no, I mean this. I'm very serious when I say this. So as you know, I can't help it, but I was born hyper, the whole deal. So I, I'm at Dover and uh, you and I are sitting on pit wall, 1989, 1990, 91, somewhere in there. And you looked at me. And you said, do you plan on racing for a long time? And I said, yes. And you said, Kenny, you got, you got to calm down. Now, you might not remember that, but I remember it like yesterday. And I was probably venting to you that my car wasn't doing this. Right. Or that. When I look back on that time, I look, first of all, I look up to you because I think you're awesome. And you're 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 a calm natured athlete. Where does that come from? And when you told me that, uh, as you're thinking right now in your head, where did you come? Where did you come from? I mean, how how did you grow up calm? And, and I, you know what I mean. My dad built Natural Bridge Speedway in '67. Your dad uh, built that racetrack. Sure did. He opened it in '67. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're, this is a big story here now. Okay, keep going. Yeah. And I would witness as a little boy during the week, the phone ringing off the wall at the house and people calling and just lambasted my dad, cussing and raising him. My dad didn't, he didn't hardly have a pot piss in either in those days, but he was able to make things work. Right? I would listen to people just lambast him all week long, you know, competitors. And it still goes on today. Same deal. And I would go to the racetrack as a little boy. I'd watch guys down there. I mean, get in fights. I mean, not playing, you know, not Mickey Mouse. And I mean, fights. And I'd watch all this stuff. And then when I started racing, I had to deal with that. I had to deal with that same stuff myself. And in the early days, it's kind of like Schrader told me one time. He said he told a guy it was mad at him. Let's sit down and have a beer, drink, talk about it instead of fight. You know, it's yeah, right. Well, right. I, I, I came to that conclusion a lot earlier in life because some stuff I went through here locally early, you know, with, with, with roughhousing or fighting and stuff that you learned, you know, what it really meant to get in a fight, you know, you got in a fight. It wasn't like you see now. It wasn't that a fight then was a fight. I mean, you're yeah, going like to get, punching you in the you, face. I mean, you're going to, somebody's going to end up standing and some guys not. Right. And I witnessed that and uh, a lot and went through a little bit of it. And, you know, over a period of time. And I'll tell you something else that happened, Kenny, in 1980, whatever, we were at Martinsville. I didn't have for the big double hitter, you know, the modified. Yeah. I didn't have radios, right? I had wiring harness, but I didn't have radios. I just couldn't afford them. I went up to Richie Evans, the great Richie Evans, the Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty of Northeast Racing, greatest that ever yes. was, I guess, modified. I just went up to him and introduced myself. I said, Richie, you don't know me. I said, but I drive that 22 car with like in uh, uh, the Bush Series or whatever it was, late mile. I guess he was Bush then. I don't have radios. Would you rent me your radios after the race Sunday? And we talked for a little bit. I think it took him back. Anyhow, we ended up making a deal, right? So the race, his race is run first. It was over. I go, I we grab radios, his crew guys, radio out of his car. I even use his helmet because the earpiece is made in the helmet. I put his sweaty asshole helmet on and run my race. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah, true story. True story. 
And the race is over. We run the race. I take my stuff back to Richie. I said, Richie, here, I appreciate it. I work, you know, so thankful. How much do I owe you? And he looked at me and said, Rick, I don't know. I've never rented radios before. I don't know what it's worth. I said, well, I'm not sure either. I mean, I, you just tell me and I'll pay you. Because I finished that day, so I had money, right? And, yeah. uh, and uh, he sat there, and he, he didn't know what to do. He finally said, you going to be here for the next race in the spring or the fall, whatever it was? I said, yeah. He said, meet me at the Dutch Inn on Saturday night buy me a beer. Let's call it even. Right? Yes. I'm like, it's like being, it, to me, it felt like being anointed by the Pope, you know? Yeah. Point, oh, know? this is Richie Evans. Yeah. We go back for the next race, and I'm standing on pit road in the modifiers of practicing, and we're on the back stretch, and I'm just watching them because we ain't been on the track yet. And I watch Richie come out of turn two. I watch him go in turn three. I see his left front wheel kick out, right? He locks Ooh. up, he goes right into the wall. Oh, no. I know, where you're go- I know where you're going with this. I'm so sorry. And we lost Richie. Mm. I, the one part of that story I forgot to tell you, when we were sitting there that morning before the race, I'm trying to joke with Richie a little bit. I say, Richie, I said, normally I'd bet on you to win this race day because you always win every time we come down here. I said, but my guy said they seen you being dragged out of the Dutch Inn this morning at 4.30 in the morning, right? Richie was a partier, right? Yeah. Richie loved to party. My guys, of course, they were up too. They said, and uh, I said, I don't know if you got drug out of the, you were drug out of the uh, Dutch Inn at 4.30 this morning, you know what I mean, from partying. I don't know I'll bet on you today. And he said something, and I gigged him a little more. I think it irritated me. Finally looked at me, he said, let me tell you something, boy. He said, you only hear a blink of an eye. He says, work hard, treat people right, and be happy. Right? I'm like, right. okay. When he hit that wall, Kenny, I was sitting there looking at it, and then when the rescue went there, and I remember Andy Hall come by me, he said, we lost Richie, right? And I remember thinking, work hard, treat people right, and be happy, right? Wow. And I kind of I, I kind of accepted that mantra, you might say. And I it, it changed how I started looking at things and doing things, right? It mm-hmm. made me, I guess it made me realize, you know, it's a little bit bigger picture than this lap, this last lap we just ran. And what the car is doing, which leads into your deal, right? You yeah. know, you get so wrapped up in that moment of what you're doing. You know, you're just like, I mean, you know, the deal, Kenny and, and NASCAR kind uh, of get up through or any, any of this racing really down. But I mean, you're like kind of put out the hells of fire or the fire of hells with a squirt gun. You know what I mean? And sometimes you need divine intervention to help you. When you came to me with that, right? Yeah. Right. That day you were, you were, and you'd brought this up to me before years ago. Then that made me remember back to it. Yeah. That's like, that's how I'm still able to remember. If you hadn't brought that up a few years ago, I'd probably forgot about, but the deal was Kenny, I was, I would help anybody do anything. But if, if, if there's somebody I didn't really care for, you know, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. Right. Uh, You know, I'd be cordial, nice, but you were one of those guys. I mean, I watched you when you came in. Oh hell, here's here's Rusty Wallace's brother, right? Hell, he'll be like the rest of these guys they had to fight with, right? Yeah. And it become apparent very soon that Rusty was making Kenny Wallace earn this on his own. You know what I mean? You I can did get, everything you, myself with the name, the name can help you get there a little bit. But when you're there, you better do your own deal, man, and your ass gonna get kicked out. And I watched you and I was around you and I was around Raquel Kim. And uh I, I you know, you're one of those guys that and i'm better at this than i used to be i used to be pretty good at but i'm better now i could i could i feel like i'm a good person 
good at judging people's heart. I, I go off of people's heart, right? I don't give a damn what you say, what you do. I want to see what your inner being is, right? And yeah. you you always come across me as one of those guys that's just good-hearted son of a bitch, right? And I see so many guys in your position. I was in that position. I know exactly what you were feeling and what you were going through. And But I, I wanted you to succeed, right? And in that moment when you were where you were at and you're so encapsulated in that moment that you couldn't, you know, release it enough to be able to make rational decisions. And that screws you up in racing, man. If you don't, if you get tired, I've seen guys ruin careers, ruin I can say names and you know them too of, of getting in that mindset that it completely screws them up and they can't think about the bigger picture because all they're worried about is the last two races and the car's doing this and I can't fix it. Right. Well, you got to get out of that a little bit. You know what I mean? And that's where you were at that point. And I was just trying to, you know, just make you see a light. You know, it's it's different. And you're not the only person that ever said that to something like that, do you? But maybe. But anyhow, that's the reason I did that. So well, I love you. I love you, and I haven't told anybody I love him yet on, on the 32 episodes that we've done. And you, you <laughs> saved my life that day.